So I asked the Lord for permission to share this testimony and I felt like sincerely I got the green light. So it was, it was funny when Clay had said, um, it, was, it was when we were in that part of, of singing about uh, condemnation and if you feel like you have been dealing with condemnation, you, you have condemnation, you, you've, been, you've been feeling that on you and he said, hey, just, just hold out your hands, like outstretch your hands. I did that and I felt like I got this vision of Jesus walked right up to me and laid, and I think it's Zechariah 3. I'm pretty sure it's Zechariah 3 of where Jeshua the priest is being, he's, he's being, he's literally being accused by Satan and, and, and Yahweh the Lord is like, hey, you're clothed in dirty garments, like take them off. He's pretty much saying, you, you are not your true self right now. Take them off, new garments, put a royal Put, put a priestly turban on his head. And, and essentially he's reclothing the man from head to toe. And I felt like I saw the Lord did do that. And literally as I just was like, Lord, is this really happening right now? And then Taylor literally went into singing about sparkling robe. Like I'm gonna have to listen back to this just, just for that again. And I, I literally, I, I should have just let it out more. I wanted, I was like, and I was screaming like internally. And so that's like, that's just, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. And so I, I truly feel that the Lord tonight, like, I mean, just praise God to that, right? Like for real, <laughs> like, come on. So one, Taylor, thank you for being obedient and singing what is on your heart. You are, you are a gift and, and worship team. Thank you for leading us to the throne and just, yeah, letting us go crazy. Thank you. <clears throat> So we have been in a 12-week series of learning what it means to, uh, to minister to the Lord. This is, I was trying to think of it today. I think I did my math right. We're in week 10 of, of the 12-week series. The past three weeks, we have been going through our 420, what we would call our, um, our prayer and worship model, which is an acronym called TPWI. Um, it stands for Thanksgiving, Praise, worship and, inter and intercession. Um, and so if you haven't been here, excuse me, if you haven't been here for any of the messages that we've been doing in this series, um, they, they are up on, and this is not a plug for our, for our podcast. This is literally just so that you have, you have context for what's going on. Um, every message, if you want to listen back to it or because these messages in a way have built on each other, um, you, can, you can listen to them on our podcast channel. So Intercession um, will help tie everything together that we have been talking about concerning Thanksgiving praise, worship, and then tonight is intercession. Um, I'm gonna pray really quick. And then if you have your, your, your phone or your Bible with you, uh, would you please open to 1 Chronicles 25.7. Let's actually, let's turn there um, before I jump into praying, but we're gonna be in, in 1 Chronicles 25.7. So Jesus, we thank you for your written word. Thank you that your written word would confirm your rhema word that you just spoke out in any different way that was personal to us in that time of worship with music. Thank you for confirming your voice. Thank you for confirming visions and, 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 and imaginations and that truly 
the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart are, are pleasing to you, Father. So we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, sorry, First Chronicles 25.7. Yeah, First Chronicles 25.7. And I'll be honest, um, with the remainder of our time, um, I'll say this and then we'll see where we land. I really don't have a whole lot to share tonight. Like I, I, I really don't. Um, intercession is something I'm learning a lot about. Um, and with this particular topic, I don't, I don't really have a whole, there's, um, as I was sitting on this today, try, like leaning into the father's heart of, of what he thinks about intercession, um, I'm just gonna share from the overflow of my heart of what I felt like I got from, from sitting with the Lord. Before we get into 1 Chronicles 25-7, um, sometimes if, if, if you aren't familiar with what intercession is, probably the way that it's most commonly defined is just praying for other people, places, or things. Intercession. It's, uh, it's like, hey, put this on your prayer request sheet. Put this on your prayer list. Like, hey, when you leave here, will you please pray for me? My mom, I learned from my mom. I loved when she would do this. Like someone would say, um, hey, will you be praying for me on this? And no matter who it was or where she was, she'd just be like, well, yeah, well, let's just, I, I will pray for you as I go, but let's just pray right now. Because my mom always taught me um, don't ever commit to praying for someone if you're not actually gonna do it. And so I always check myself whenever I say like, oh yeah, I'll be praying for that. I'm like, dang, dude, you better be doing it now. My mom's gonna come get me. But um, so intercession is so much more than noticing a problem and pointing at a problem and saying, God, like do something. Just like fi fix this situation. It's, it's, on, it's so much more than that. <clears throat> When we are in a place of intercession, we're not praying to point out a problem. We are praying to point out a solution, praying what God is actually saying. So intercession is not just noticing, okay, there's, um, there's, there's severe drug addiction and violence in our city. There's prostitution in our city. There's homelessness in our city. Intercession is not so that we can have a place to come into a room and, and be needs obsessed and needs driven and then lose sight of the Lord, the one that is above and over it all. Because what's dangerous about that, and when that happens, we are actually no longer interceding. All that you have actually proven is that you know how to complain and point out a problem. And complaining just gives space and room for the demonic realm to come in and, and just mess with our imaginations, mess with our beliefs, and mess with our hope levels to where all we then see is problems in front of us. And then before we know it, what, what ends up happening involuntarily is we begin to live in reaction to problems instead of in response to truth. Jesus never lived in, in, in reaction to the things that were happening around him. He just, you, when, especially when you read through the gospels, people pulling on him, people reaching for him. I mean, talk about, talk about being to the point of just being, being drained and having an, an unbelievable supernatural capacity for ministry. And we, and, and we can't throw up the card of, okay, well, well, he was God. Yes, of course he was God, but Colossians and Ephesians is very clear that he, he laid those things aside to consider his, his humanity. If Jesus did everything that he did as God, 
it gives us something to admire. But if he did everything that he did equally also as a man, it gives us an invitation of something to step into. Does it make sense when I say that? So reaction and responses. As I've been learning about intercession, I've, I've been challenged in the fact that intercession is last in our prayer model of thanksgiving, praise, worship, and intercession. Because oftentimes, when I come into a room, a problem on my mind, a problem in my family, um, something that I'm annoyed about, wanting a solution for whatever the thing is, say you have 20 minutes to spend with the Lord. Say you spent 12 to 15 minutes of that 20 minute time in thanksgiving. And, and I'm, I mean, I'm talking, get, get super basic. Like if, if, you, if you are employed in this room right now, you have, you have, you have a job and, and I'm, not, I'm not talking like you clock in somewhere nine to five. I don't, if it's, if it's a coffee shop, if you're flipping things, if you're selling things, if you're a laborer, if you work at a church, if you work in a factory, if you are a stay at home mom, if you like whatever, when, when I say job, I'm, I'm talking a, a to Z responsibility. You, you have something to give in Thanksgiving. 100% you do. <laughs> with the way that gas prices are, if you got here tonight with gas in your tank, you have something to offer in Thanksgiving. Like seriously, I, I swear if it goes to, you know what, I'm already getting into complaining, so I'm not even gonna, we're not even gonna go there. Any, everyone with a Prius right now, we salute you. <laughs> All the times of being made fun of, you know what? You're laughing at us now. If Jeff were here, he would, he would laugh at that because Jeff has a Prius. <laughs> but so when we are living in, in reaction to problems before having gone through Thanksgiving, more times than not, we will assume a position that we will try to have over the problem that just straight up doesn't work. You will, you will more times than not, we will, as the church, we will take on a Messiah complex to meet needs and, and be a savior to people. And, and, and honestly, at, at times, out of extremely pure and noble desires to be men and women of, of faith and holiness and love, we move to meet a need or answer a problem. Beautiful. Literally nothing wrong with that. Just outside of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's wildly ineffective. That's, this is why we are co-laboring. Everything in the new covenant is co. Everything in the new covenant is with. Everything in the new covenant is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Not leaning upon your own understanding and all of your ways acknowledging him so that they may become straight. It's, it's not just you in your own gifting moving to meet a need. Everything is, is co. Everything is with. And by going through, coming into a room in thanksgiving, Jesus Thank you that you, you, you literally hold me together. Jesus, thank you that you never have to come into a room, but you always do. You show up in splendor and change the whole room. When that thanksgiving moves me into a place of, worship, or of praise, I begin to just honor who he is. 
I begin to just offer a sacrifice of how glorious and how marvelous he is. And when I offer that sacrifice of praise, the way that it moves me into a place of then worship, which is encounter of, okay, we've just stepped beyond the torn veil. We're at the foot of the throne and we've thrown ourselves at his feet. And sometimes words don't even do it justice. All you have to offer is, is a laugh, a scream, a yell or a cry, or even just a silence. Or just because there's... um. Early men and women of the faith, they, they, they believe that because God is so holy, so marvelous, and so spectacular, the only appropriate response is silence. <laughs> like, that's freaking awesome. Because they're like, he's so wild and beyond our imagination and comprehension of value. We don't even have words that can touch it. So we would much rather just sit, stare at him, and say nothing. Because even in our silence, he's honored because it's the heart posture he cares about. And then all of a sudden, when you've come through thanksgiving, you've come into praise and you've come into worship, the way that you begin to look at problems completely changes, completely changes. Have you ever gone into, maybe it was tonight, maybe it was a couple Sundays ago, maybe it's been at some point in your life, have you ever gone into a service or a night or a retreat, whatever, something that was an intentional set-aside time of worship, you went in with a problem, and then when you came out, you thought totally different about the problem? Like, like either it just didn't matter, or you're like, man, that, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you're like, man, that just, that really, that really wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was. And I would, I would like to suggest that it's because in that moment, you gave attention to the solution and not just beholding the problem. In 1 Chronicles 25, 7, I love this. We won't go through um, this. So this verse is load, it loaded. It's, it's, it's essentially um, describing the duties of the, of the um, Israelite musicians. I'm gonna start just in verse six because verses one through five is, um, it's, like, it's a super long genealogy, but um, if you would like to go after this for the sake of time, I won't read through that specifically, but starting in verse six, all of these men, what men? The men listed in verses two through five, all of these men were under the direction of their fathers as they made music at the house of the Lord. Their responsibilities included the playing of cymbals, harps, and lyres at the house of God. Asaph, excuse me, Jeduthun and Hermon reported directly to the king. Verse 7, they and their families were all trained in making music before the Lord or ministering unto the Lord. And each of them 288 in all, all of them were an accomplished musician. Or an, another word to view that in was a skilled, the New American Standard Version would say a skilled musician. Now here's something I want to point out. When, um, when, when the scripture there says skilled, it doesn't, it doesn't just mean, like the, the, the band that we had tonight it was, was not just anointed, but equally anointed and, and skilled, like, like gifted. But that's actually not what this word means. The, wor the word skilled, it actually means discerning. It doesn't mean skilled as in like, wow, they, they were like the best of the best musicians around. It actually means that, the the, that there were 288 in all and they were skilled musicians. 
So, they, so the, the word is saying these musicians that came together were actually discerning musicians. And as you read on, we learn what were they discerning? They were discerning the voice of the Lord so that they actually knew what to sing, so that they actually knew what to release. So it wasn't just the fact of, okay, let's, let's get a bunch of gifted people in a room that are gifted and, and, and their gifting happens to be with music. And because they're gifted musicians, they'll know how to flow together and it's gonna be awesome. And we will gather around a gifting. No, these, these early musicians that were learning to minister to the Lord were people that were learning to listen to. Let's listen to what he's saying and then sing what he is saying. There was a couple of moments of that. The one that I pointed out with, uh, with Taylor where she went into that spontaneous moment. That's a, that's a perfect like lived out example of that. Capturing, hey, this is what I believe. I'm hearing the Father saying, I'm going to take it and then turn it into a song and then release that. That, that is the work of the skilled musician. So it's not only, wow, you are, you're gifted at what you do. It's, well, you have a capacity to hear him, hear it, and then release it. Does that make sense when I say that? Awesome. <clears throat> and I think what's important to understand about intercession is that intercession, and, and I want to be careful, I don't, I don't want to use the phrase can't, because I just... I'm not totally sure that that's true, but I think that intercession has to happen also with the sacrifice of, of praise and worship attached to it. <clears throat> I, I, don't, I don't think it has to all the time, but I just, I know that I've seen too many prayer meetings and I've, and I've met too many pastors <clears throat> that are so overwhelmed by the needs in their community, the needs of their people. And trust me, when you meet a pastor that has a pastor's heart that breaks for the needs of people, like no wonder there's so many retreat centers that are filled with pastors that are just, they're tired and they're burnt out because of the, the weight that they carry to want to, they care about the needs of their community. They're, they're shepherds for a reason. It's, it's a beautiful and holy thing. <clears throat> if I don't learn, and even if you're not a musician in here, it is the responsibility of every single one of us in here to learn what it means to become skilled. I should have wrote down what the word actually means, um, but it's the responsibility of each one of us in here to become a skilled, a discerning individual of the voice of the Lord so that we can bring heaven's solutions into earthly problems. What, dude, I think you, you were praying before we started about like, was it was you that prayed heaven to earth? Someone, I think someone prayed, some, I feel like someone at the beginning of the night prayed like heaven to earth. And I'm like, yes, like that's literally it. Learning to capture what is happening in heaven and then replicating it down here. I love this quote um, <clears throat> from Andrew Murray. I, I absolutely love this. Time spent in prayer will yield more than that given to work. Prayer alone gives work its worth and its success. Prayer opens the way for God himself to do his work in us and through us. Let our chief work as God's messengers be intercession. In it, we secure the presence and power of God to go with us. If you don't know who Andrew Murray is, do yourself a favor. Grab any book by him. <clears throat> You're going to 
just get lost for hours in it. Another, probably one of the most popular verses on intercession, and I still want to go there. We're in 1 Chronicles 25 right now. Go over to 2 Chronicles 7.14 with me. 2 Chronicles 7.14. If this doesn't ring true today in, in, in our world, I don't, I don't know what does. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Then, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. And, and, and it's fine if I'm just preaching at myself right now, I'm preaching at myself to this, but I wanna just ask, is there anyone in here that you feel like in this, and when I say season of life, that, that can mean like the past two weeks, the past two months, the past two years. Sometimes we say season and it's like, I don't really know, like is, are you talking like the past couple of hours or like the past two years? Like, what do you mean by that? But how many of you feel like you have been in a, in a season of like, hey, I have been being long suffering in this season. And by long suffering, it would mean you feel like, you feel like you're waiting on something, something is shifting, you're, you're, you're persevering through like, like yeah, like you're just, you, you feel like you're, you're persevering through, through a change that is coming. Would that, would that resonate with anyone? Yeah. As we were coming here tonight, I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart saying, I want to, the, the Lord saying, I want to bring relief to those that are in long suffering. And I believe, and I would like to suggest to us tonight that intercession is the key with which you walk through long suffering. An intercession that prays solutions and not that just identifies problems. And if, and if, if you're sitting here wondering, okay, well, what does it look like to pray solutions and not just praying problems? I think that plain and simple, I don't have anything really flashy or profound for this. I think that it looks like learning to go away and be with him. Because, and simply by simple attention, learning to give my attention to him, learning to sit in a room, a living room, a car, a space by yourself where no one else is, even if it's to the point of where it's awkward and uncomfortable because you're not comfortable with your own self and your own thoughts and you dread the moments that you're alone because that's when your own thoughts come in and, like, and, and it's actually more loud when you're by yourself than you were if you were in a bar, restaurant, or, or coffee shop because you can't stand the noise of your own thoughts. Learning to sit in that and watching the gentle and low Savior come in and put his hands over your ears as he teaches you to be skilled, discerning, in hearing his voice and his voice alone. I would like to suggest that moment only happens in secrecy and silence of, of the secret place, intentionally setting that side of time to do, to, to do that. that. That personally, that is what I believe is the only answer. That is what I believe is the key to see long-suffering through. <clears throat> if you have prophetic words over your life that have ever been spoken over you, learning to cherish those things, encouraging yourself in the Lord to know that where I'm at is not where I'm gonna stay. The season is shifting and 
because God causes all things to work together for good for those that are in Christ Jesus and love him, if your current situation is not good, then it can't possibly be the end. And oftentimes, I have been in a place of of the Lord offending my heart and offending the religion out of me of how gentle and constantly kind he is. Kindness that I, I, that completely blows my paradigm of like, no, he's gonna come into the room. It will be different this time. The day will have gotten to him. Thing, things that, I've, th- things that I'm, I'm still tripping up over, like he, he, it, it will finally get to him. And if anything, it breaks him into a place of compassion even more. And that's probably not even theologically accurate because James even says, or it's Titus that even says that even his shadow doesn't shift. He doesn't even have the capacity to change regardless of what we do or don't do. Even our obedience are the very manifestations of overflowed love for him. Our obedience isn't even out of a place of, of, of being prone to earn or get his attention. Even simple obedience is the overflow of a heart that is in love with the one that is before him, King Jesus. And if you're wondering, what does that have to do with intercession? It has everything to do with intercession. Because intercession has everything to do with the person that we are standing in front of and how we learn to see him. And then because of seeing him, how we learn to then become like him. And then releasing that wherever the heck you go. (laughs) I think that oftentimes our lack of stepping into a place of intercession is ultimately a position of casual unbelief. If I was aware of the one that I stood before constantly, it would wake up in me a constant cry to petition his heart for breakthrough. And so plainly put, go with me over to Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse seven, right at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew seven, seven. I'll just read this really quick. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. I'm just gonna keep reading if that's okay. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your parents, you, you parents, if your children asks for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? I think learning to confront the casual unbelief that I allow into my life every day is one of the most important things that I can learn to overcome every day. And what I mean by that is how easily, one, how easily I forget the simple message of the gospel that liberates me and sets me free constantly. How easily, it's so easy to get away from that. And then second, how easy I forget the person that has decided to set up permanent real estate in me, live in me and call it home. And how easy it is 
to begin to look outward and see externals when the Lord is asking me to look inward, not at self-inspection, but to look internally at him where he resides and he is and to give him all of my attention. And I think that if I repented, not repentance in the sense of sin or having done something wrong, but repented as in gave my thoughts and my attention and turned it back onto the abiding presence within me of King Jesus, his abiding presence would then turn into his manifest presence around me. And then I believe that we become a community that prays answers and not just problems. I think that I think that there's, um, sorry, I'm trying to think about, I'm trying to think about how I want to say this. Some, when we go to the Lord at times, imagine you're praying for a problem, praying for an issue, you're, want, you're wanting a solution on it, want, wanting to know what to do. And there, there are a couple of things in my life right now that I've been praying for, and, I, and I, I want to see this thing, whatever the thing is, I want to see this different. I would like for this to be different. I'd like to see breakthrough in this, whatever, whatever that is. And oftentimes, it feels, one, I, I think that we need to renew our minds in the fact is there's no such thing as a prayer that was prayed that did nothing. That's, that's ridiculous. There's no such thing as a prayer that was prayed and nothing happened. There's you, there, there is, I, I just, Jesus does not have a voice mailbox. Like, he, he does not. There's no such thing as, oh, that one was a miss. Every time you pray, it hits the bullseye of his heart every time. Every time. Okay, well then I've been praying for this certain thing for years. I've been praying for this certain thing for weeks. I've been asking on clarity for this for, for however long. Where's my breakthrough? Why isn't it coming? Sometimes the purpose of intercession is to get us to position ourselves before the Lord to actually have our minds offended so that the Lord can get to our hearts for the, for the, for the false ways that we view him or view ourselves. Meaning, I'm praying about something, I'm not seeing breakthrough. Oh, God, God must not be good. God must not care about me. What if that was, the, that was the thing he wanted to get to all along before he even gave you the answer? Otherwise, you would just inherit the answer with a stronghold of bad belief still in place. Moving on in horrible beliefs and horrible thinking. This is why the beginning of Romans 12 is so radically important. Oftentimes, I have found when I have gone into a place of intercession and haven't gotten the immediate answer that I was hoping for, it actually revealed something about me and, and, and because of what it revealed about me, it, it revealed what I actually believed about the Father and, and how our relationship was getting affected. And the Lord was like, by the way, I will answer the intercession, but I actually want to deal with the lie that you, stu- that you stepped in here with, believing that... I don't actually want to be married to you. I don't actually, I'm not actually kind. My patience is expendable or, 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 or my patience is limited. And the Lord will deal with these lies and deal with these things that are actually the filter with which we filter all of life and problems through. And this is why we only have problems and not solutions. 
So sometimes if you're in a place of praying for something and just face it, you're ticked. You don't have to put on a holy face. Sometimes the most holy thing is sitting down in the mud. The prodigal son's revelation, sitting in pig crap and slop was just as holy as the embrace of the father because Jesus was present in both of them. Repentance carried him to the embrace, but the embrace and the hope of the embrace was in that repentance. Come on. Like for real, right? Oftentimes, we're so embarrassed of the process and the mess of what we are sitting and realizing, no, that's actually just as holy as the finished product. Don't have destination disease that you miss him in, in the moment by moment by moment by moment things in between. And by the way, I'm like, I'm public enemy number one of being guilty of that. My wife and I have been in a, in a season recently of, of, of crazy transition. And the Lord spoke to me recently as I was, I was getting really frustrated about this. And the Lord just gave me an analogy of like, hey, those mission trips that you go on, from the time you get on the plane to the time you land, you're goofing off with friends. You're laughing about things. You're just doing dumb stuff. Like you're just, like just being friends. Like it, and, and when you get to the destination, it's just like, cool, we're here. But the journey starts as soon as you leave. Why, why can we not do the same thing? I want you to enjoy the moment by moment by moment by moment episodes with me. Are you catching what I'm saying about intercession? And if you haven't seen the answer yet, sometimes, I guess all of that to just say, sometimes it's about changing you. And the Lord sees something in you that he wants you to learn to die to and he wants to kill in you. And the way that you die to certain things is you go low enough to his feet and you allow him to hold you and he will love out of you everything that you were not supposed to be in the first place. The purest form of intercession is done from his embrace because I've come close enough to actually capture what it is that he is saying and then just freely release it. If you want, you can all stand to your feet with me. So as we are, as we're wrapping this up tonight, whatever it is that, even if there's nothing that you're, that you're praying for, even if you wouldn't say, well, yeah, there's, there, there's not necessarily anything that I'm praying through. There's not necessarily anything that I'm trying to, excuse me, get solutions for, but Maybe it's moments in your life and there's, there's disappointment that it's like, hey, I prayed for this. I wanted it to look different and it, and, and it didn't. And that's really annoying. Or I prayed for this for a long time and it finally just got to a point where it was way easier to ignore it than actually to just deal with the fact of, man, maybe like, no, I actually have some beliefs about the, fa about the father that I can't see in Jesus. And, you, and literally you need to allow his love to offend the religion out of you. It's a painful thing, but it's a beautiful thing. Or maybe you are genuinely like, no, I've been praying for this problem, asking for divine solutions for weeks, months, or maybe even years now. And I'm to a point of where it's like, like something has to break or move or I'm like, or I'm, I'm just, it's going to get the best of me and I'm done. And, it, and, if, you, and if you are in that place, I would ask you to, to remember the simple gospel first. Remember the simple gospel for yourself. 
Second, go away with him a little bit longer and, 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 and simply just listen and become comfortable with that silence. Become comfortable with you. he is just as loud in the silence as in when he's not silent. Because silence is also a language of the Lord. It's not only English. Man, I would do myself a favor if I learned that one more quickly. <laughs> Personally, talking to myself. So I'm, I'm going to pray right now. It's 8.51. Um, we, are, we officially end at 9 p.m. Um, so we're getting done a couple of minutes early. Um, if, you have to, if you have to go, awesome. Love you guys. We will see you. Uh, we will see you back here next week at, at 7 p.m. Um, but if there's something that you would like prayer for tonight and just something of just like, hey, I've been carrying this. I want to see breakthrough and you want it to and you just want to make it public as far as like, hey, I want to invite someone else in on this and, and just pray for me. Please come stand up here or kneel at the front. Someone will come up to you and pray with you. You don't have to go looking for someone. Someone will come up to you and someone will, will pray with you and just and talk with you. Um, if that's a need that you brought here tonight, and that would go for if you need a breakthrough of whether it's like, hey, I've got pain in my body. I, I refuse to leave here the same way that I came in. I would like prayer for healing. Or whether it's just, I'm having a really hard time right now. I would like someone to gather around me and just, out and just, and just, and, and, and prophesy over me. So just, just come up here and stand and we will have someone um, come up and around you and pray for you. But can we just bow our heads and close in prayer tonight? Jesus, I'm thankful for how patient you are with us. Even talking about a message tonight that I'm in the process of learning and being corrected in and learning like, oh, that's what this actually means. And oh, like that's definitely not what that means. And learning to become a student of your presence where pride is confronted, my ego is confronted, insecurities are confronted, um, the lie of performance is confronted because when you step into the room, when you step in front of me, you expose all of it and we're literally forced to deal with it or we just run and then in our running, we just get to a point of where we're so exhausted, we either crash and it's horrible or we just yield to the compassion and to the mercy that is actually chasing us down. Lord, I speak to the hearts and minds of every single person in here right now, whether it's, hey, I'm, I'm in a season right now, I'm begging for it to end. I'm in a season right now, there is no way out from this. I don't know what to do. I don't have any solutions. I don't have any leading. I don't know what to do. Jesus, for not at the, the sake of wanting to just have an answer for the sake of sounding like I have a spiritual answer, but would you draw them close to you, please? As, as that, that, that old worship song goes, draw me close to you, never let me go. I'm laying down my life again to be here with you, my friend. Draw us into a fresh surrender. And then in that surrender, let us, let whoever hears this, find that refreshment. Let us yield to you as shepherd and not be wayward sheep that try to go and find the path on our own. 
how badly we need you. And I pray that as it was saying tonight, we would leave here clothed in new robes where condemnation is lifted and gone. Shame is destroyed, lifted and gone. And that any moment that says, oh, well, that, that probably, you know, that probably actually didn't happen. That probably actually wasn't for you. Uh, that was for everyone else in the room but you. In, in that moment, God the Holy Spirit would come in and raise up a standard against those lies and cut them off at the very head. And we would sense your embrace. We would sense your truth. And your truth would teach our feelings and our emotions to work for us and not against us. We thank you for your truth, Father. Thank you for this evening. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.